And so if I don't look at you, just know I'm trying to stay on course. I don't want to drift away. <laughs> don't think I'm ignoring you. Um, it was um, the last song that we sang about reckless love. Um, really kind of resonated uh, with what I'm going to share today. Um, because you can't love someone and not be personal. You can't love someone and not have a relationship with them. And our God, the one we serve, um, is personal and he's relational. And so is our salvation. Um, in John 3.16, he tells us that for God so loved the world. So he loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It says whosoever, but it does become personal because then when it comes to salvation, you don't do it for somebody else on behalf of somebody else. It, it is personal. In um, Revelation 3 verse 20, he said, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, eat with that person and they with me. The, when I read that verse, it kind of felt like um, when God is looking at the world, he's able, because he's God, he's mighty, he's able to look at the whole world and still zoom in and say, if I knock on the door, on your door, could be knocking at all the millions of people's door, but he's interested when you read that verse. He said, I will eat with that person and they with me. And I thought about, you know, when you're having dinner, and it's been a Valentine week, when you're having dinner with your loved one or loved ones, it is that intimate um, relationship where you dine with them, you focus on them, the conversations are between you and them. Um, in Philippians 2 verse 12, it says, uh, wake up your salvation with trembling and fear you work out your salvation in as much as as a body of Christ, we help each other out to lift each other up. But the Bible tells us here that we work our salvation. It is personal. Uh, our walk of, with God is also personal. And so will the judgment day. It will not be uh, me and my husband, me and my child, me and my uncle, my dad. It will be us standing before God. There'll be millions but it will be personal. So our salvation is personal. Our um, walk with God is personal. The judgment will be personal. God is interested in us connecting with him. And um, as I was looking at uh, preparing for today, I was thinking about in every relationship, um, for it to work, there has to be a form of communication, um, two-way communication where somebody speaks, somebody listens. And I've titled uh, my message, When God Speaks. Um, but it seemed incomplete just to say when God speaks. And then the other bit I said, hearing from God. So I'll let you choose which one you want to go with. So when God speaks or when we hear from God, hallelujah. Um, in reflection, when I started preparing, I had a few questions. And I think uh, that's kind of led me to um, how I've set out um, the message which I felt God was um, um, leading on my heart. And the same questions I asked myself, I'll pose them to you as well. Um, and it goes, how does God speak to you? Do you believe he speaks to you at all? Do you hear him speak? 
have you discovered his voice? When was the last time we spoke to you? And what did he say? And what did you do about it? Do you always know it's him? Can you distinguish his voice from a stranger's voice or your own voice? In Matthew 4, verse 4, um, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, um, he talked about man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. And the Bible is littered with God speaking to men. And we're told that the Bible is God's very word. And he speaks to us all the time. And he does it for our existence, our sustenance, and depending on God's word is the only way we can know how we speak. Uh, the main story that I'm focusing today, if you could turn with me to 1 Kings 19, verse, um, let's see. It's 1 Kings 19, and I'll start from, uh, I'll start reading from verse 10. So that's 1 Kings 19. As you're finding the verse, I'll just um, describe the passage prior to that. This is where Elijah um, has had a victory of, um, with the prophets of Baal. He's defeated them. Um, he's had his burnt offering. Um, fire came up from heaven to burn his offering. And the prophets of Baal had had a most humbling defeat. And, but it, it is at that moment um, that Elijah found himself in a most insecure place, in a place where he needed to hear God. He was used to hearing from God, and sometimes um, hearing from God doesn't always mean um, the disappearance of our problems or doesn't always take away the fear. Here we find somebody as strong as Elijah who's done a mighty miracle and defeated all the prophets of Baal. He's in despair and is fleeing from Jezebel, who was after his life. And I'll read, it's a bit of a portion of scripture, but I'll read it because it talks about um, Elijah's encounter with God. And it gives us an insight into some of the things that God speaks to us and the ways in which God speaks to us. So in 1 Kings 19, um, I'll start from verse um, 9. Mine is a funny one. It starts from 9b. So, um, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah has gone um, into the desert. Um, um, I'll start from verse 7, because then that makes more sense. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. He'd been with him, given him some food. But then he came to him a second time from verse 7, and touched him and said, Get up, eat, as for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Uh, and the word of the Lord came to him while he was in the cave. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous of the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. 
Now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous of the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back to the way you came and go to the deserts of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king of over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel, Mehola, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu put to death any who escaped the, word, the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to bow, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Hallelujah. Here we see um, one of the ways in which God spoke to his people. And in this, in this one, God spoke with an audible voice. He did not speak in the earthquake. It wasn't... Um, in the um, in the it wasn't in the wind and it wasn't in the fire, but he speak. Uh, God's voice is described as a gentle whisper. It's a still small voice. Some versions say it's a still small voice. And then in I will not read it, but um, in one Samuel three, we see um, Samuel as he was in the uh, temple with Elisha, God calling him. But when he called him, um, Samuel thought he was Eli. And I thought, so it means God's word sounded like Eli. In, in Elijah, it sounded like a still voice. But with, when he came to Samuel, it sounded like a man. So Samuel, for three times, he, God called him. He went to Eli, uh, Eli and said, you called me. And Eli said, no, I did not hear, I did not call you. And in Revelation 1, verse 10, uh, when, um, when the prophet, uh, when the disciple John was getting the revelation in a vision, he said he heard a voice, the Lord speaking like that of a trumpet. So God in the Bible, in so many ways, he speaks. He's not limited to how he speaks. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm sure he would have it in a, in a way that is sort of different to every one of us. But in the New Testament, we also hear um, God speaking when Jesus was being baptized. He said, a voice from heaven said, um, that G confirming that Jesus was the one who was sent from God. 
Hallelujah. But the one in terms of God speaking which puzzled me was Judges 6, verses 11 and 25. And when I read, when you read through that portion of scripture, there's an interaction between an angel and then the Lord's voice and then Gideon speaking. But in all these speeches, God is showing his relation, his way of wanting to speak to man in a conversation, like in a normal conversation. But his um, main purpose is for his voice to be heard. Another way that God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word. As I said, his word, um, the Bible tells us that his word, uh, the whole of the Bible is his word and everything in it. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, he says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, it's useful for rebuking, correcting and training us in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God speaks to us through his word and God also in his word in the, in the, in the, in the Old Testament he used to speak through people, his prophets, all the different messengers for them to translate the message to the people. But in the New Testament, not that he, now he wouldn't speak to people because God cannot be limited, but in Hebrews um, 1, verses 1 to 2, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, in the days, and I think we are living in the last days, he says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, when he appointed, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the whole universe. So when we read through the gospels, um, we, we hear God speaking. I like the King James Version because he puts everything that Jesus spoke in red. And that's God almost, it felt like, inscribing to say, this is me talking through my son. Because he said, in the last days, he spoke to us. It's interesting that um, in Hebrews 1 to 2, where he says, in the last days, he spoke to us through his son. That's 2,000 years ago, and that was the last days. How near are we to God coming? And that was just a thought. He also speaks to us. Um, through the Spirit. In John 16, I'll read verses uh, 12 to 15. He says, I have much more. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he went to the cross. He spoke to them extensively in a way of telling them what was to come, but also to encourage them for them to take heart that him dying on the cross will not be the end of things. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Holy, uh, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he, he will tell you what is yet to come. It kind of feels like the Bible is not, even though it's the whole word of God, God is still speaking. He's not limited to what's in the Bible because here we are told that the Holy Spirit, we live in, 
And I think we are privileged because when we read the Bible, we read it in hindsight. The people in the times of the Bible, I think they had to have much more faith than us. Um, not that we don't have to have faith, but we've got something to fall back on, something to reference back on, something to say, God did this, therefore he can do this for me. But it tells us that his spirit, he's still speaking. So even though he spoke before, even though he, was, um, he spoke to the people of Israel, his word is still coming to us. But now it's in the spirit that is within us. I'll read again verse 13. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the spirit will receive from me what he, what he will make known to you. It shows here the, um, the trinity of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So when we read the word of God, we're not just hearing from through his Son, we're hearing it through his Spirit, we're hearing it through his word. But in all this, that's God speaking to us. And sometimes you say, um, how do we then hear from God? Other people have had the privilege of hearing the audible voice of God. Sometimes when we speak, when we read the word of God, it's, it's alive. It, it, you could read a portion of scripture that you've read it so many times, but then it jumps out, it resonates. For me, my heart starts going boom, 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 boom. I know that's God speaking to me. But I think it's in a way when we spend time in the word that we get to know how God speaks to us. The way I speak to you, Tisha, is very much different with the way I speak to Liam, because Liam is limited in his speech. So I cannot speak to you, Tisha, the same way I speak to Liam. I still communicate, they will still hear me, but I have to do it in a different way. And that's what God does to us. He knows us intimately. He knows how to get your attention. But do we know how God captures us? Are we in tune? Are we living in alignment with the way God wants to speak to us? Have we found that way? If we found it, are we rediscovering? Are we making use of it? Are we deepening it? Are we intentional to hear from God? Um, I'll give an example. Um, I was in a, um, a family prayer meeting, and one of the things my, uh, my brother said, um, I think tomorrow somebody will have good news. And he said it just like that. And I took hold of it, and I said, I will have good news. And I think, um, in a way, there was something I was expecting um, from work. It took forever to happen. And he said, oh, after six o'clock, and I said, oh, six in the morning, seven o'clock now, I haven't heard anything. And he went past until it was quarter to five that the good news came. And I, when I had it, I leaped with joy, not because um, um, it was a shock, but it's because I expected it. So when it happens, you kind of say, oh, Lord, you've done it. It's being intentional. If, if I didn't expect it, if it had happened, I would have said, oh, finally, it's come through. But it was a moment of joy to say, 
God, I was expecting it and you've done it. And I think in the life of a Christian, there's nothing as luck, there's nothing as coincidence. We have to be intentional in how we um, mold our mind. The Bible says we have to have a new mindset, a mindset that is of Christ, a mindset that, is, uh, that dwells on the word of God. We live in a negative world. Um, I used to love watching the news until COVID happened and I shut down the news <laughs> because um, it, it's so easy to think, oh, the last quarter of last year we were in recession. Oh, we were in recession. But God says um, when, things, when things are being cast down, there's a lifting up. If I go with um, that we're in recession, I'll feel the dump down. But if I know the word of God says when there's a casting down, there's a lifting up, I'll be thinking, oh, well, there's a casting down. My God is lifting me up. And it's having that expectation to say, God, I know that's the reality, but I know what you can do. And God can do more than what we can ever ask or think of. And it's when we spend time in, in his presence, in prayer, that we get to hear the one thing which of late I've started showing uh, interest is God speaking to us in dreams. I never used to remember my dreams. I never used to be interested in what I dream or think much about it. But God speaks us through dreams. Um, I'll read a portion of scripture in Joel 2 verse 29. Uh, Joel 2 verse 28 to 29. It says, and afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And in other versions, it says, in, in the latter days, he'll pour out his spirit. Um, Joseph had a dream about his future. Some dreams are, some people dream things and then they happen as they see it. Some people dream um, in figures and then they have to interpret. Um, Pharaoh had a dream of the three, th um, the thin cows and the fat cows. And then Joseph had the grace to interpret and he saved a nation, he saved people. And through that, Jacob moved to Egypt, and the rest was history, just because there was um, a grace on the life of Joseph to interpret that dream. What do we dream about? Do we show any interest in what we dream? Do we think God speaks to us through dreams? Because I think um, in the book of Revelation, it talks about John's um, vision. The whole book of Revelation, actually, was written based on a vision. That was God speaking through a vision. Solomon, um, when he asked God to give him wisdom, he didn't do it face to face. He got what he wanted from God through a dream. Because he said, God came into his dream and he said, what do you want? He could have woke up and said, oh, well, that was just a dream. But I'm sure he took hold of it and it became a reality to him. So there's some other things that we dream of. We need to pray about them and ask God, what does that mean? Was that a warning from you? Or was it the devil infiltrating my dream in order to plant things that are not of you? We know in the Bible, um, I haven't got the scripture with me, but it talks about the farmer going out to sow the plants and then the evil one in the night 
came and saw tears. Do we recognize tears that are sown into our lives as we sleep? Do we wake up and know that that was God or that was the devil sowing tears of fear, of terror, frustration, dread into our lives? <coughs> now, um, um, I, I was, when I was preparing, I was thinking of the things that distract us from hearing from God. Um, and I'll just list them. There's sin that distracts us from God. There's shame. Sometimes when we feel we haven't lived up to the mark, which we all do, we feel shame not to come in his presence to hear from him. But he says, come as you are. You won't have to leave as you are. You come as you are, and God deals with the things that bother us, the things that distract us, the things that make us lose the mark, the thing that puts us to shame. He says, come as you are. You won't leave as you are, because when you leave in the presence of God, when he speaks into your heart, you leave as a different person. He doesn't say, um, just come once a day. He says, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the righteous may fall, he said, even 70 times, but they rise up again. And that's what we do. We don't let sin distract us from hearing from God. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's doubt. And sometimes it's pride. And pride in a way that we have a mindset. If we have a mindset that discounts the need for God, and the need for him to interfere into our lives. We might not knowingly or on purpose be, um, be proud, but when we discount the need for God in our lives, we are being proud. We're saying, God, I can handle this. Lord, I can do this. You know, you gave me the gifts and the skills. Uh, that's what you trained me to do. And that's true, but in Deuteronomy it says, you know, it's God who gives us the strength to do our jobs. So we can never say we've done it in our own strength. And sometimes the things that distract us from hearing God is when we hear other voices, when there's too many voices in our mind. And our mind is always lively. I know people say sometimes people have a blank mind, but I think um, it's sometimes that... <sighs> We don't align to the things that we don't want to think about something, therefore we block it out. In a way, we don't want to give it to God. We're just saying, God, I, will just, I don't even have to give it to you, I'll just ignore it and it will go away. But that's not how God wants us to do. He wants us to bring it to him. And how do we recognize the voice of God? Because the devil still speaks to us. The devil spoke to Jesus. He wasn't afraid. You would think after Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil would be fleeing. No, he came to him as anointed as he was with his spirit, fasting for 40 days. He came and spoke to him. But Jesus was able to differentiate his father speaking to him and the devil speaking to him. And how do we recognize the voice of God when the devil also speaks to us? When our own deceptive heart also speaks to us. Um, the devil will speak to us in ways that will make us um, that will make us fear, that will make us timid, 
that will make us hopeless, everything that makes us think we're not good enough, um, anything that makes us think it's too late to fix it, that's not of God, anything that frustrates us, anything that gives us discouragement, despair, leads us into temptation, um, telling us you're blueies, you're never gonna have another chance. Those are, when we hear voices in our spirit or when we hear voices in our head, if anything is in a negative way that doesn't lead us to repentance, that's not of God. That's the devil. Because he's, um, in John 10.10, 10, he said, he's, um, uh, God came that we may have life and have life abundantly. But the devil, his um, way is just to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And if we have every word that leads to us being destroyed, us to have things stolen from us, us leading to a death, and death not just in our life, but death in different ways. We could have a dead marriage. We could have um, a dead relationship with other people. We could have a death in our finances. We could have a death in our integrity. Those things that die in us, even though we are alive, they are not of God. And the voices that speak from that point of view, that's not of God. But then the, God, the word of God lifts us up. It edifies us. It gives us strength. It gives us joy. It gives us peace. And all those um, things that are for our good and gives us that peace of mind um, in Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 1, it said, um, God, Yetisha, your favorite, what did you say? <laughs> that Ephesians 1, um, it says, God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And anything that doesn't give us love, anything that doesn't give us power, that doesn't empower us, that disarms us, feels us, we can't do it, feels us, no, this is too much, this is hopeless. That's not of God, because God says he gives us the spirit that gives us love, it gives us power, and above all, it gives us a sound mind, because that's where our thoughts are. If we don't have a sound mind, it's really difficult for us to hear from God. But it might sound as if all the evil things are from the devil, and all the good things that we feel are from God. But that's not the whole picture, because God doesn't always make us feel good. Sometimes God will correct us. As we read in that verse in, um, what was it? In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And when you're being rebuked, I don't know about you how you take feedback. You know, in the workplace, when they say feedback, it's not always a good thing. <laughs> but how do we take feedback? Because this is God saying, I'll teach you, I'll rebuke you, I'll correct you, and I'll train you. But it's in the way that he does it. The portion of scripture that we've just read in 1 Kings 19, we see Elijah saying, oh God, you might, I might just die. I don't want to be here. And then God gives him you know, something to eat and takes him to a cave where he speaks to him in a gentle voice. 
But on the very last face of that portion of scripture that I've just read, God comes in in a very subtle way just to correct Elijah, to say, oh, by the way, it's not just you leaving. I've got another 7,000 prophets that have not bowed to prophets. He didn't make Elijah feel, oh, Elijah, you just told a lie there. He didn't say it in a way that rebukes him, and that's how God does it. When he rebukes us, he doesn't condemn us. He brings us to a point of conviction and brings us to a point where we repent and know that, oh, that, that's really bad. Not bad in a way that we go defeated and go back, but in a way said, Lord, I'm really sorry. Yeah, that feels really bad, but I don't want that feeling anymore. I want more of you. And then we leave you at the cross and then move on without any condemnation. In Romans 8, he said, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And in 1 John 1 verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what, are, what does it take for us to be trained um, in listening for God? We have to be available. We have to make ourselves available. We have to recognize what's not of God. If we know the things that are not of God, we will not go after them. We will not even give them a headspace. It's easier said than done. But the more we infill our hearts with the things of God, the more we go out in a day expecting to hear from God or to see from God. There's some other things that are not even God-related that will speak to us because God is not limited to speaking. He can speak to, even an unchristian could say something, not knowing what they've said to you is a confirmation of what God has been speaking to you or what you've been expecting. And we need to position ourselves to hear from God. The good example is in Samuel 1, verse, um, verse um, chapter 3. When Samuel heard from God, he didn't know it was God. He went to Eli. If he had kept on going to Eli, he would have never heard from God. But it's interesting how we need mentors in our life because Eli, even though he'd stopped hearing from God, the Bible says he perceived that Samuel was being called from God and he guided him to say, go back and sleep. And when you hear that voice again, say, Lord, here I am. And then Samuel heard from God. So it's important that we learn from other people. We get mentors that will fill in the gaps that we don't know what God is saying. Um, and why do we have to listen from God? Why does God want us to listen from him so we can know him more intimately? so we can enjoy uh, his presence. In Psalm 32, in Psalm 32 and verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye over you. And that's how God does it. He said he will instruct us, as we read in 1 Timothy, he will instruct us, he will teach us in the way we should go, and he will counsel us. But he will do that with a loving eye over us. And God sometimes speaks to us to give us comfort when we are anxious. Um, as, we, uh, as I've mentioned before, God's word comes to remove all the fears, remove all the hopelessness, remove all the anxiousness. It doesn't... It's, it's quite difficult sometimes when we have a long-term problem 
And I feel in my life, <laughs> I've come to expect that at any point in time, I don't know whether this Simon, you tell me whether that's good or not. <laughs> I've come to know that there's always been a thing in my life that has drawn me closer to God. And when, and the one thing that comforts me is God has conquered it for me all the time. And every time I have a victory, especially if I've had a long-term problem, that God has dealt with it. It's taken years, but God has dealt with it. I stop and say, oh God, what's the next thing that you're going to take me through? <laughs> and not that I expect problems all the time, but from my experience, you might have a different experience. There's always been, not the day-to-day -day struggles that everybody else has, but there's been that one thing central that I think, God, you're never gonna do this. Liam, the birth of Liam is my other testimony. Um, there's a 10-year gap between Liam and Yetisha, and it took so long. I went from believing God, frustrated with him, angry with him, abandoning him, and said, God, I'll leave it. And when he did it, I was like, God, you've done it. Even I went to the doctor, the doctor said, how did it happen? I was like, <laughs> you're the doctor. <laughs> Because it took that long, I'd had all the different um, negatives, and that's why I tune out of all these negative influences, because it doesn't stop God from doing what he wants to do. But then time and time again, that's been the story of my life. You could have a different experience. I've had long-term things that seem impossible, but I've seen God smash each and every wall, and I think he can do it for us as well. Hallelujah. But then he provides us that comfort and he also puts things in perspective. Um, Job, um, in the book of Job, we see Job, you know, mourning to his friends, telling God how good he is, but then he's suffering. And he talks up to the 36th chapter, and I think 37. And towards the end of the book of John, uh, Job, God comes in and asks Job, you know, puts things into perspective and says, Job, I can hear you saying all these things, but do you know what I can do? Do you see all the creation? Do you know, you know, where the moon and the sun, where the moon goes in the day or the sun, how the seasons swap, how this whole elf is held together, how we are said we are floating and then there's this mass of water around us. And God, sometimes when he speaks to us, he puts things in perspective and he also takes our, out our biases and preconceptions of what God is. And then, as I said, he comes to rebuke. And then with this, I'll finish. What then, when God speaks, what do we do? The Bible says we listen and we obey. We take action because faith without action is dead. There's no point God speaking and we just sit on his word and not do anything. Um, in 1 Samuel 3, and I'll finish with this, uh, verse 19, he said, the Lord was with him uh, when God had spoken to um, Samuel about what was going to happen to Eli and his children because of his disobedience. He says in verse 19, the Lord was with him and let none of his word fall to the ground. When we trust God, when we hear from him, he's faithful to his word and he will never let 
his voice to um, go without accomplishing that which God had sent it for. So I want us to just with that in mind, and I know God speaks to us in different ways, and the first point of call is our commitment to be intentional. And I want us to stand up. I'll ask Sam to come. I want us to ask to stand up, if you can. And to just, for just less than five minutes, I know we've only got five minutes before the coffees go, it's brawling already. But I want us to take whatever God has spoken to you out of this. And I know God speaks to us in different ways. And if God hasn't even said anything, why not ask him? I want, I want us to ask him that we go into this week expectant. Have that one thought in mind, or even several, that you expect God to speak into your life. And then we can come next week with testimonies of what God has done, of what God has spoken into our life. So let's just take five minutes. You can pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. But just do business with God and say, Lord, I want to hear more from you. I want to be in tune with your word. Lord, show up in my life this week. Show up in my life this week that I may know that there's a God, that people around me may know that there's a God. I don't even have to preach you that people will know that there's a God in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Let us shout out to him. Let us speak to him in a still voice. Let us raise our hands, kneel down, do whatever he takes and say, Lord, here I am. I want to hear from you. I want you to speak to my heart. I don't want to just hear it from other people. Lord, you know this situation. You know the things that are stressing me. You know the things that are frustrating me. You know my limitations. You know my barriers. You know what I'm going through. God, could you speak into this situation? Could you show yourself mighty this week? Could you be my guide, oh God? Could you be there for me, Father? Father, I have a hard week ahead of me. Lord, could you just... Hold me up. Give me that word that will sustain me, that word that will show me that you are with me, that word that will give me the comfort, that word that will just reinforce that you are around about me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do it for us, O oh God. Open up the heavens, O oh God. Comfort us, O oh God. Rebuke us, Father. Rebuke us, O oh God. Train us, O oh God. Let your voice be that whisper in our eye, in our ears, O oh God. May we hear from you. Open our hearts, O oh God. May our hearts be open to your word. May our hearts be that fatal ground. May our hearts bring life to other people. May our hearts be a testimony of your goodness, of your love and your mercies. May goodness and mercy follow us. May you be our shepherd. Anoint our heads with oil, oh God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as we go into this week, we pray that you will be with us. You will guide us. You watch over us. You will quieten our anxious thought. You will wrap your loving arms around us. You will convict us of every sin. Lord, you make us triumphant and victory, victorious in Jesus' name. Amen.